If you have a Bible this morning, find the book of Colossians. Colossians, and today we're going to be in chapter number 4. Colossians chapter 4. Today we finish up our study on this book of the Bible that is called Colossians. Uh, I don't know about you, but for those of us who have been here, like, like there is just something special about taking a book of the Bible and going verse by verse through the entire thing and just allowing that to speak to us. And, uh, you know, most of the time as pastors, we're up, like, we're, we're working hard to figure out where does God want us to go with the sermon this week and your, what topic and all that type of stuff. When you go through a book of the Bible, like, you don't really have a choice. You, you're, it tells you what you're going to speak next. And uh, it has just been such a fantastic thing. Maybe, maybe it's your first time here today. Uh, the good news is this, like, you're catching the end of the movie the best part is the end, and that's why that's what today is. Uh, and for those who have not been with us, give me like 15 seconds to get us all caught up on this. The book of Colossians is a letter that was written by uh, a man named Paul, this Bible hero named Paul, sometimes called the Apostle Paul. Paul had this supernatural experience with Jesus on the road. Uh, and he began to, from that point, travel around the Roman Empire, speaking to little villages and, and teaching people who have never heard of Jesus about Jesus. Little churches begin to form in these cities and communities all around the Roman Empire. Uh, it was an incredible thing. It is so fantastic to read about this man. Well, Paul ends up in prison multiple times. Uh, why is he in prison? Because he's traveling the Roman Empire saying, Caesar ain't Lord, y'all. Jesus is Lord. Uh, and he ends up in prison for that multiple times. While in prison, at one point, he grabs uh, multiple times in, in different ways. He grabs a pen and, or a quill or whatever you call it, some paper or something to write on. And he begins to write these letters. And he writes letters from prison and sends them out two different faith communities and two individuals in that area. And that's what we have here in the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians is a prison letter written from this man named Paul to a small group of Christians in a city called Colossae. In fact, scholars think that this entire church or group of Christians numbered somewhere between 12 and 20 total, three or four family units in, in all. Uh, and so it's this small little community. Paul writes them this letter, and today is the conclusion of the letter, uh, and it's the ending, it's the last section, and in these final verses, there is some fantastic, powerful, helpful stuff. It's also quite challenging if we look at it in the right way, and I want to show you this. So that's the introduction. I went super short on purpose because we got a lot to get to. And so stand with me all over this place. Let's read together uh, our passage of scripture for today. Colossians chapter 4, we're reading verses 2 all the way through the end, which is verse number 18. Uh, And uh, so say, I'm ready if you're ready. Say that. Wow, like 12 of us are ready. That's pretty good, but we're all right. So here we go, verse number 2. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. I love salt. Anybody love salt? 
Okay, just had that thought. All right, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus, Tychicus, we don't, I have no idea. We'll call him Ty. Ty, I like that. Ty will tell you about the new, the, all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about your circumstances, and that he may encourage your hearts. This man named Ty is the one who carried the letter uh, that Paul wrote some 1,200 miles, actually, to this faith community. So that's who that is. Uh, He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. Onesimus is actually a slave from Colossae that ran away from his owner and escaped all the way to Rome. All right, and now he's coming back because he found Jesus. So I'm telling you that because we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. It's, a, it's really cool stuff. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that has happened here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Verse 11, Jesus, who is called Justice, this is not to Jesus that you're thinking of, okay, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you. And for those in Laodicea and Herapolis, Our dear friend Luke, the doctor in Demis, send greeting. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Wow, that was a lot and a lot of hard names to pronounce, but we're okay. Let's pray. God, we give this to you and we pray for something significant and supernatural to come as we look at and study your very word. God, don't let me get in the way of what you want to do. I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just move and speak and God, do incredible things in our midst. We give this to you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Here we go. Have you ever watched a movie and the movie is just absolutely awesome and you're totally into it and you love it and then you just get to the end of the movie and it's this massive letdown? You ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, worst thing ever. Uh, and you're just left like, this, this is not what it should have been. They, that's all they have. That's all they could come up with was the end for that. After this amazingness all throughout, this is where we're, where we're left. I have a couple movies in mind that fit that for me. I'm not going to say them out loud, though, okay? Uh, but then you have these movies that just absolutely nail the endings, and you watch it, and, and maybe it's like a surprise thing, like back in the day, the movie The Sixth Sense. You remember that one? Where you're watching it, and you're like, well, this is kind of weird. And then all of a sudden, the end, and you're like, what? 
what? No way. That's incredible. And, and all of a sudden, everything just like comes together. And it's like the ending was absolutely amazing. Uh, or maybe there's sometimes there's sports movies and things where you already know the ending. Uh, but it's still like this awesome, okay, like the miracle or miracle on ice, wherever you say it, about the 1980 USA hockey team. That like I watched that movie and I remember for the first time, I already knew how it ended. I already knew it. Like USA is going to win. Okay, we're going to beat the Soviets and it's going to be good. And I'm excited about this. And you watch it and it and it happened in the movie exactly how it was supposed to. And the ending was just there. And I love that. And Al Michaels is saying, do you believe in miracles? And OK, all of that. And maybe you no, know, you weren't around. You weren't alive then. OK, you don't remember that. That's all right. OK. Uh, but the ending of a movie just kind of makes or breaks the entire thing, doesn't it? Uh, and so here we are where we get to the end of this movie called Colossians. Well, it's actually a letter, but you already knew that. And, and Paul is going to do a few different things in this ending. Now, first we're going to see a handful of verses that are just packed with some unbelievable, deep, incredible stuff. Uh, and if you read it too fast, you'll jump over it, you'll miss it, but it is filled with, I'm excited to just show you some of what I believe God wants to say, even through these four or five verses that we start with. But then Paul goes into, and you just read this with me, he goes into these 12 verses that's just filled with a bunch of names. And, um, and it can be so easy for us to just kind of write that section off as a bunch of nothingness for today. But I want to show you, in particular, one specific name that shows up in that at the end. Uh, and it is it is special, and unless you know the history behind it, you won't even see it or hear it. And so I'm excited. And so here we go, the end of the movie. Are you ready? I'm ready. I've been excited all day. Okay, You might not have slept well. Start, try to stay awake. We're okay. We're going to have some fun, and we're going to learn something at the same time. So here we go, verse number two. Okay, Paul writes this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, a couple ideas here from this uh, that I want to point out just from these first few words. Paul tells these people to devote themselves to prayer. Devote themselves to prayer. And then he tells them specifically how he wants them to be praying for him. So first of all, understand this. For Paul, prayer was foundational to everything and anything he did and who he was, to his ministry, to everything, everything he believes. Prayer was the center of it all. We, we saw this in the beginning of the letter here. Uh, some of you were here two months ago and we started this thing and Paul immediately in the big, beginning of this letter brings up prayer and prayer is this central piece to, it starts that with prayer, it ends with prayer. And if you look at some of the other letters that Paul wrote that we have in our Bible and we have 13 of them total, prayer seems to come up all the time everywhere let me show you I'm gonna we're gonna like rapid fire through a number of them here Romans chapter 1 he says I constantly remember you in my prayers 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 
he writes, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, but you have helped us by your prayers. Ephesians chapter 1, he says, I have not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. Philippians chapter 1, I thank God every time I remember you in all my prayers for you. I always pray with joy. Philemon chapter 1, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, rejoice always Pray without ceasing, he says. First Timothy chapter 2, I urge you that petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all in authority. Therefore, I want everyone everywhere to pray, is what he says. Prayer, 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 prayer. I'm praying for you. And I'm, it's almost like Oprah. You get a car and you get a car. Paul's like, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for you. And over there, I'm praying for you over there. Some of you don't remember the Oprah thing? You don't know what's going on? I thought you would have laughed at that. Okay, but I'm praying for you and you pray for me and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Are you with me? Okay, Paul, for some, Paul and prayer is this massive thing. And he starts this letter that way and he goes into it again. Devote yourselves to prayer. Now the word devote means to persevere in some activity or to give full attention to. Hear that? I liked that one. Give full attention to prayer. Uh, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but like just as a question right now at this spot, does this describe your life? That you would give full attention to prayer. That, that challenged me this week as I read this. Does that describe us as Christians? Because this is what this is Paul here. We're getting a glimpse into his life and what he says to these people 2,000 years ago. Devote yourself, give full attention to prayer. Does this describe our church family? These are the questions that I was left asking. That we as a church family are giving full attention to prayer. That, that, that challenges me. Let's move on. Devote yourselves to prayer. And then he gets to verse number three and he says, and pray for us to pray for us. Paul is asking these people, these Christians in Colossae to pray for him. Uh, and if I'm hearing this letter like read and it would have been read out loud, Mr. Ty would have showed up with the letter and read it out loud to the people there and talked it out with them. But if I'm hearing this letter read and I get to this point here and I hear Paul say, devote yourself to prayer. And then he says, and pray for me. I would be thinking, yeah, we got to pray for Paul. Why? Because Paul's in prison. And we need to pray. We need to pray that something supernatural happens. And that God like lets him out of prison and does a miracle. Like, like that there'd be an earthquake and the prison chains would and, and walls would fall down like we read about in the book of Acts. We need to pray for that to happen. We need to pray that the jailer gets like food poisoning and, and has diarrhea so bad that he can't watch him anymore. And then Paul gets out. We need to pray. I shouldn't have said that part. That's okay. Um, but we need to pray that God would set Paul free. Yes, Paul, we need to pray for you. Now, and, uh, that's, that's what I'm expecting Paul to ask for. Prayer for that. He's in a horrible situation. He's in prison. It's not good. In fact, he's awaiting possible execution. We know in history that he's, he's going to be executed uh, not very long after this. Uh, we need to pray for that. And if we're honest with ourselves, like that's the way that most of us pray when we are in difficult situations, isn't it? 
So it's the default response that we have when we are going through something. Hey, will you pray for me? I'm, I'm like, I'm going through a difficult situation. Pray that God fixes this. Pray that God does something and changes my situation and gets me out of this. It's the prayer request, like when people come forward, and pr- that's what they're asking for, that God would change something in, in their situation. Uh, it's the prayer requests that are written on our cards. That's the way that it, that it comes out. Pray for my family. We're going through a hard time. Pray that God helps us find a job. Pray that he takes this sickness away or that cancer is no longer there. Pray that God moves in my situation and my circumstance. And, and what we mean by that is pray that God gets me out of this nasty situation that I'm in. Pray that God would fix that. But understand, this is not what we see Paul asking for. He does not ask them to pray in that way. Paul says, pray for me. Pray that I would have the opportunity to proclaim this message. This message about a God who finds us where we are and delivers us. Pray that I'll I'll clearly share this message of Jesus who is powerful enough to change lives. I'm adding a little bit. Pray that God would give me the ability to to make known this beautiful mystery of how everything we need is found in Jesus. Or you could say it this way and write this down if you're taking notes. This line right here. Pray that, other, pray that others will see Jesus clearly through my situation. Like Paul is like, I'm in, I'm in chains. Remember my chains. Pray for me. Pray that others will see Jesus clearly in the middle of my chains. That's his prayer request. That's Paul's prayer request to the church in Colossae. He's in prison. He's been in prison before. He knows he may be executed. He's been on a ship that sunk, by the way, in the sea. He was bitten by a poisonous snake and was about to die. He was beaten to the point of death by a mob of people, drug out of the city and left there to die. Like, And from prison, this is the man, this is Paul, from prison he says, hey, pray for me, pray that others will see Jesus clearly in the midst of my mess. Now, Oh my goodness, that blows my mind. Like that is, am I the only one that is shocked by that? That that's his prayer request from prison. That that is nuts. Like our default prayer is God fix it. Like God fix our situation or the situation in somebody else. Heal me, change that, fix me, bring this, help this, my daughter this, my grandma that, bless my business, help my family, provide financially. Now don't miss what I'm saying here with this. Because there are definitely Bible parts and instructions that tell us to pray prayers like that. Uh, Cast your cares on God for he cares for you. The idea is casting our mess and our junk and saying, God help. Uh, God give us... Give us our daily bread. You know, you could say the prayer for our meeting our needs. Lay hands on them and pray that they may be physically healed is what the, the, we have scriptures that I'm not saying don't come up and pray like this and don't write prayer requests like this on your thing. But we are now stepping into the mind of this incredible Bible superhero named Paul and getting a glimpse into his relationship with God and the way that he views prayer in some of this. It's beautiful. It's not get me out of prison. It's in this prison, I have a purpose to walk with God, to be a man of prayer, but also to proclaim the story to anyone and everyone. Pray for that. All right. 
we'll, we'll jump off of that soapbox. But I like that. Like, I find that incredible. I find that incredible. 100% completely others-focused or what we could even call outsider-focused. And I take that word outsider from the very next thing that Paul's going to write. He says, pray for us that others would clearly see the mystery of God through our suffering. And then in verse number five, he just goes right into this section, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Be devoted to prayer. Pray that, that, that people would clearly see Jesus in the midst of our difficult situations. And then he goes on, and he basically is saying, here's why this Jesus stuff, this gospel message, forgiveness and grace and mercy, this isn't just for us. It's not just for us. This isn't some secret society that only some people understand and some people get in and some chosen people are a part of. This isn't just for us as, as the Christians to know God and gather together and pray and read the Bible and learn and grow. This message is for everybody. It's for everybody. And Paul is saying here, look around don't miss the fact that there are people all around you that desperately need this right here. Don't miss that. And when you see people, this is huge right here. Come back to me. When you see people who are outside of your viewpoint, which our world is filled with people, our city, our country is filled with people who are now outside of our viewpoint as Christians, when we see people like that and when we talk to people like that, when you have conversations with people on social media and all of that, make sure that those words are full of grace. Make sure, make sure those words are full of grace. That, like, and, that, and that doesn't mean that we leave out the truth. It means that the truth should be seasoned with salt. Is what he says. And I love that. And, and I think if we're honest with, with each other on this, like Christians in our culture are not doing very well at conversations that are full of grace and seasoned with salt. Not doing very well. And we get on social media and I am despising election season coming back. Because... Christians all of a sudden like start seizing things with nastiness, not salt. And Paul here reminds these people of this little community in Colossae. Let your words to the people around you be full of grace and seasoned with salt. Be devoted to prayer. Let that be a piece, just a piece of who you are that people would see Jesus in the midst of your suffering and that your words and your actions would be full of grace and seasoned with salt. There's so much more we could talk about. We could do like a three-week series on that line right there because I love salt and I love this. It's so powerful. But I do feel like it's, it's appropriate for us even right now to just pause for a moment and reflect on this. Like, Am I having conversations with people outside of my viewpoint? And are those conversations full of grace? Ask yourself that. 
are those conversations full of grace. Like this message is for everyone. Don't miss the opportunities we have to show people grace, to show people Jesus. That's what this is, uh, that, that's what this is about. And this would be a good period and time right here for you to say yes. Amen. Okay, come on. All right, now, verses, verses seven, 7 through 18, and we're just going to do like a four-minute window on this, uh, which could actually be six, but I'm just going to say four to get your hopes up. Okay? Um, in fact, we're really just going to focus on one verse from this section. Paul ends this letter with a bunch of names. We talked about a couple of them. Mr. Ty, who delivers the letter, we could talk about him. What a cool thing. Paul, like, says, hey, I got this letter. I need someone to deliver it. He turns to this faithful brother in Christ and says, will you go 1,200 miles and hand this letter to these people and tell them this stuff? And Mr. Ty says, let's do this. Okay, crazy stuff. We could talk about Onesimus, this slave. I brought that up. A slave who ran away from his master and Paul and, and finds, his, finds Christ through the Apostle Paul now 1,200 miles away. And uh, with this letter and with Mr. Ty, Mr. Onesimus comes with. And he goes back and turns himself in. And Paul writes in this letter at a different point. He says, hey, treat this man like he's a brother in Christ. A guy that actually deserves horrendous stuff to be done to, done to them in their culture. Okay? And, and, uh, and Paul actually says, and anything that, that is owed, I'll pay for it personally. For this slave. Let's re- okay, so it's all this cool stuff. But I want us to drop down to verse number 10 and just briefly talk about this man named Mark. The one word, I, I just found the one name in there that I could pronounce and thought, let's talk about him. That sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? All right, and so here we go. Verse number 10, and, uh, and you're not going to understand all this, but we're going to flesh it out. He writes, my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Yeah, exactly. Anyone, you could get that tattooed right on your, no. This is like a weird verse. You're like, why are you picking this one out, Pastor Kyle? It doesn't sound like much, but when you, what you don't see in that verse right there is the history between this man named Paul and this man named Mark. And for Paul to write this in this letter later on in his life is actually quite crazy. And let me show you this really fast. We're going to move through it, okay? Years before Paul writes this letter, it could be as many as 20 years before, uh, you can read about this in Acts chapter 13. Paul sets out on his very first missionary journey, sets out on this journey through the Roman Empire to tell people about Jesus for the very first time. And this man, a friend named Barnabas, comes with Paul. Well, Barnabas says, hey, I want to bring my cousin Mark with. And Paul says, okay. And so Mark tags along and goes with Paul and Barnabas on this missionary journey. But Mark, a short time after, ditches them abandons the entire thing. Mark bails on the Apostle Paul, bailed on the mission. He's like, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. The next time, this is a couple years later in just a few chapters. This is now Acts chapter 15. The next time Paul and Barnabas decide to go out again, a couple years later now, and uh, Barnabas says, hey, I think we should give Mark another chance. And Paul literally says, no way. I ain't going anywhere with that quitter. 
Like it's in there. Maybe not exactly like that, but that's, that's, what, that's what we have. Paul is like borderline bitter about this dude, Mark, who quit on them the first time. Barnabas and Paul split at this point and they go different ways. God uses both of them in powerfully in their own way, but they split over this man named Mark, Mark the quitter. But here we are later in life and Mark has had a change of heart. Paul has recognized the change and, and, and Paul now sees Mark as a brother in Christ. And he says at the end of this letter, and don't miss even the language that he uses, he's like, I want to vouch for this quitter. And if Mark comes to you, I want you to treat him just like you'd treat me if I was there. That's cool, isn't it? When you look at the history there, what can seem like insignificant words, naming a few individuals filled with this deep, historical, difficult thing. And as I read that this week, like, as we're coming down to the final few minutes of this journey through the book of Colossians, I believe that for somebody here today, God is reaching into your life and he's saying, I know what you did however many years ago. I know what that looks like. I know what you think. Maybe you deserted God, walked away in a massive way. I, like you gave up. I want nothing to do with that anymore. And I believe God is just wanting to say this. He's saying, I never deserted you. I never left you. I never gave up on you. And I never quit on you. And you are welcome. You're welcome back into the grace and the love and the family of God. You're welcome back. Your past doesn't disqualify you from any of this. God is here today with open arms. Music team, will you please come? And I want to ask you to stand with me all over this place. Kind of like a shotgun today as we hit a number of what I just felt like was powerful topics. And as I was praying for this this week, my prayer really was just like, God, I pray that when we go through this section right here, that the people that need to hear that section would, that this would come alive to them. And so for some of us today, when, I, when, 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 when we went through one little section of this, something jumped out of the Bible at you. And that's been my prayer. That, that, that this room would be filled with people who maybe experience the word of God in a very different way than the person next to you. And that every one of us would be encouraged, would be challenged, would be moved, would be loved if that's what you needed today. And that this would be a moment we have together where we just experience God through his very word. And we're gonna sing together just for a moment, just a time of reflection and prayer and singing here for just a few minutes. Uh, but as, as we do that today, I want to just challenge you to, to allow the Holy Spirit to further move and speak into some areas maybe that you needed this today, whatever that is for you. So God, we open our hearts and our minds to you. And for those today that 
that need to be reminded of the power of prayer. I pray that 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 would happen, that we would devote ourselves to prayer and watch how you transform our lives in our situations. For those today that are maybe suffering in one way or another, God, that we would pray for healing and that we would pray for supernatural things and we pray for you to fix our stuff, but God, that we would also just be so massively aware of this moment where Paul says, pray that people see Jesus clearly in the midst of my suffering. And that would be something that wakes us up to a new purpose and a new way of thinking when it comes to the outsiders around us. And for some of us, maybe this has been a challenge, oh God, a challenge for us to to fill our words with grace and season them with salt, God. Uh, The outsiders around us who have different viewpoints than us and that we would show them grace. And for someone here today who is maybe looking back at their life in regret and shame over their past, let this moment right here show them so clearly that your grace and your love abounds and is here in this moment. And God, I also pray, I pray today for that person or maybe even a handful of people who God, they in this moment know that they are not right with you, but they feel you so clearly drawing them to this beautiful, love-filled, grace-filled relationship that can change everything for them. And Lord, I pray that even in this moment right here, those people would understand things in a new way. They would see something clearer than they ever have before. And that God, you would begin to even transform people and transform situations. And even if you're in this place today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Kyle, you're speaking to me today. I know that I'm not right with God. I know that my relationship with God is non-existent, but I can feel something pulling me today. That's the Holy Spirit desperately wanting to be in relationship with you. And if that is you today, you can, in this moment right here, you can begin to talk to God and tell him, say, God, forgive me of all of my junk. And God, change my life. And God, I give you my everything and my life and my, and and God, I respond to you today. You can begin to even do that today. And so Lord, I pray, I pray for that person right now that needs to hear that. I pray that they would begin in this moment to, to respond to your love and your grace. And so God, we thank you for that. We give that to you challenge us, change us, move us forward, oh God, and we pray all of this in the beautiful, life-giving, life-changing name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen.